Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in San Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Pooja Lakshman is the author of Real Self-Care, a transformative program for redefining wellness, crystals, cleanses, and bubble baths not included. She is a board-certified psychiatrist, New York Times contributor, and a leading voice at the intersection of mental health and gender, focused on helping women and people from marginalized communities escape the tyranny of self-care. In 2020, she founded Gemma, a physician-led women's mental health education platform centering impact and equity. She maintains an active private practice where she treats women struggling with burnout, 
perfectionism, and disillusionment, as well as clinical conditions like depression and anxiety. Having gone down the rabbit hole of extreme wellness herself, Real Self Care is her answer to the juice cleanses, the gratitude lists, and the bubble baths, not only to care for ourselves for real, but in turn to transform our broken culture. Welcome, Dr. Lutchman. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Real Self Care, a transformative program for redefining wellness. It's such a pleasure to be here, Zibi. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Your book was so interesting. You talk about your own journey through self-care and some of the winding paths of your own career. And then you really like lay out this fabulous roadmap and explain the difference between faux self-care and real self-care and the martyr syndrome and like all the things that we do that might convince us we're not doing that good a job. And by the way, I got a yellow on your score of the little quiz. So (laughs) I'm not like... That's I'm good. not in dire straits. Yes, good, good. I'm good about that. So why don't you tell listeners a little bit about you know your Times article and how this book came about and what we should really know about real self-care? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first I'll just say, Zippy, that I'm glad that you got a yellow because I know how much is going on in your life right now. <laughs> and so I was a little worried that you might have gotten red. <laughs> so I'm actually really happy with the yellow for you. So, so yeah, so I am a perinatal psychiatrist by training. So in my clinical practice, I take care of only women, mostly moms who are going through things like postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. And, you know, I would say maybe like around five years ago or so is when I really started to see that like actually maternal mental health is a social justice issue. Like even the smallest thing, like the fact that getting four consecutive hours of sleep postpartum is protective from postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, like the ability to get that sleep. Like, do you have a partner? Do you have paid leave? Like, right. Like what is your support? Like, do you even have access to know that sleep is something that's protective, right? All of that stuff is actually a systems issue, right? Is part of just the external landscape of the world that we live in. So that's kind of what got me fired up. Like, I like to say that I'm kind of like a reluctant activist. You know, (laughs) I didn't really expect to be somebody who was in this position, but I found myself here. So in, I think it was maybe 2022 or 2021, I wrote a piece for the New York Times called This is Betrayal, Not Burnout. Especially during the pandemic, my patients were just burnt to a crisp and everyone was using that word burnout. But I just felt like it was really missing the mark because really the problem is outside of us. Like when we use the word burnout, we're exonerating the social systems, whether that is the lack of paid leave, whether that is the lack of affordable childcare, whether that's, you know, the fact that it's so hard to find a therapist and mental health support. Like those are the real problems. But American society in particular is really, really good at making women feel bad about ourselves. And like, we're not doing enough. And so, you know, real self-care is my message to all the women out there who are just like, you know, I am burnt out. I'm stressed out. I'm not eating well. I'm not sleeping well. And I feel like it's my fault because I have this meditation app on my phone that I know I'm supposed to be using. And I know I'm supposed to go to yoga, but like, how am I supposed to find the time I have a nine month old. I say this as a mom myself, like it's just madness, right? Like it's just trying to figure out how to squeeze everything in. Again, it's, it's not because it's not for lack of trying on our parts. It's actually the entire way the system has been set up. So then what do you do with the fact that 
we're all operating in a a systemic like framework that might not set us up for success. We still have to live within those confines. So you have a lot of, you know, suggestions and specific things we can do, but what do we do even with that information? Like, yes, we can become activists and yes, but I think awareness obviously is really important of it, right? Like, okay, this is not my fault. This is what we're, where we all are, but then what? Like, then you still don't have the time for yoga. And like, then what do we do with all the information? And, you know, you call out all these important things, like, just because influencers look like, you know, you, you, you ask people to think critically about what people are posting and maybe these are paid posts and maybe these people aren't really getting their lives changed by this particular, I don't know, app or whatever it is they're doing. So how do we make sense of it all? What next? Like what, what are help? <laughs> <laughs> Pooja, just fix the problem, please. Just fix it. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I think that's why this book is different because, you know, it's funny, I didn't set out to write a self-help book or a prescriptive book, but that's what came out when I started writing. Cause I think it felt like I was in the room with my patients, you know? And so I really, I lay out these four principles, right? And they're all internal, right? Principle one is learning to set boundaries. Principle two is developing self-compassion. And when I say self-compassion, I mean in the way that you talk to yourself, in the conversation you're having in your own brain on a daily basis, bringing self-compassion there. And then principle three is really getting clear on what matters to me. Like, what do I really care about? And naming those things. And it's going to be lots of things, right? It's not, there's no one right answer. And then four is bringing it back to power, like understanding what Audre Lorde said, like self-care is Mm self-preservation. By making self-care personal and not commercial, we are actually bringing agency back to ourselves. And that's only then is there a chance of the systems change happening. Interesting. So I can dive into some of those a little bit more. But what I would say is that this framework is not... So it was also really important for me in writing a self-help book to also just say like, I don't... The prescription is going to be different for everybody in terms of the form. One person's real self-care is going to be like, hey, I have to... I really do need to send a difficult email to my boss. I really do need to say like, I'm going to not be available on email over the weekends, right? Like that's something that I really need to start setting a boundary with. Another person, it's going to be like me and my husband really need to sit down and have an honest, difficult conversation about the division of labor in our home. Another person, it's going to be like, well, maybe I really do need a career change. Like maybe I want to start dreaming about something different for myself. So that sort of form that it takes is different for everybody. And for some people, it will still mean like, actually, yeah, yoga is great. When I go to yoga once a week, I feel really grounded and centered. I'm not trying to take away anyone's yoga or bubble baths, you know, but it's like thinking deeply about it. And those four principles that I've identified, that comes from my clinical work. And then also from my own personal journey of like, these are the internal steps Mm -hmm. that we can take. And it's, it's like a line of inquiry for yourself. It's like having a different conversation with yourself that are grounded in these principles as opposed to just that constant monotonous, oh God, Pooja, you're not doing enough. Oh God, you're behind on your emails. Oh God, you're not a good mom. You know, like whatever the the line of inquiry, like the normal narrative is, it's like, let's replace that with this different conversation. Basically, it's like more positive self-talk, right? Someone wants a therapist, I don't know when it was, but would you talk to your friend 
the way, like what yes. if your friend was going through the same thing? You'd be like, oh my gosh, you're doing such a good job. No, it's fine. Da, da, da. Right. But when it's yourself, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a total failure. Like, how could I get so behind or whatever? So I feel like that is such a critical thing and so easy. Like we can all, and I know you spell it out very clearly, but we can all imagine what we would say to a friend in a given circumstance, right? And we, we'd all feel you know, give them the benefit of the doubt and like praise the accomplishments. And yet it's so hard to do that for ourselves. So I feel like that's something so specific, just like whatever you're beating yourself up about, would you beat your friend up like this? I don't know. That's been really helpful for me. Right. Another one that I love on that too is, and this comes from acceptance and commitment therapy is like actually naming that critical voice and giving Mm -hmm. it sort of a character. So for me, I, I always call that inner critic Angelica Rats, the mean older <laughs> sister, right? Who's just like terrible. I have a patient who named hers, you know, the Anna Anna Wintour character from The Devil mm-hmm. Wears Prada. Yeah, and that's kind of a fun way. I know it sounds silly, but it actually creates distance from that voice and reminds you that that's not you. Like that doesn't mm-hmm. have to be you. And of course, you can spend years in therapy, like figuring out that like it's your mom, right? <laughs> Funny, um, I know that character. Right, right, right. <laughs> She's so um, familiar. No, I'm kidding. Right. But yeah, I think that that's a really important, again, it's like, it's it's about your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think with real self-care, the other piece of this too, is that it doesn't have to be something that is like, it can be small steps, right? Even just sort of like with the boundaries, you mm-hmm. know, I know a lot of people, a lot of folks talk about boundaries. I feel like it's sort of a buzzword at this point. I think of boundaries as the pause. So when I was um, just starting on the faculty at George Washington University, my mentor took me out for lunch. And her piece of advice to me was that, you know, she was like, Pooja, you don't have to answer your phone. You can let it go to voicemail and then just like see what they want and then respond. And that was kind of an aha moment for me because, you know, and we can say the same thing with text messages, right? It's like, you take a pause, mm-hmm. you wait and you see, and then you can say yes, you can say no, you can negotiate. A boundary doesn't always mean no. A boundary is just the pause. And then you get to decide how you respond. A healthy boundary shouldn't be a brick wall. It actually should be one of those mesh nets, like on a trampoline Mm -hmm. that is flexible, that things can move through, right? That's a healthy boundary. And I think especially for moms, you know, we are just so overburdened. Our brains are just constantly on this cognitive overload. You know, we're like the CEOs of our whole, the whole family's life, right? And so it's just, we're constantly in that react fight or flight mode and to kind of step out of that and just say, wait, I can take a breath and then I can decide. I have a choice here, whether it's my kid who wants something from me, whether it's like my work, whether it's my partner, right? And that being able to incorporate that into your thinking then leads to kind of like these downstream effects where you're then able to look more strategically at like, well, what do I want for my life? What what really fills me up? What are my goals, right? Because I think of real self-care is not only like sort of the bomb in the moment, like we all need that help just to survive, mm-hmm. really. Again, especially as moms, so many of us are kind of just drowning. But then it's also like step two or kind of maybe self-care 2.0 is like allowing us to dream about, well, what do we want for ourselves? And just thinking about the folks in your community, you know, and moms don't have time to read books. Like none of my patients have time to read books. That's why I recorded an audiobook because I was like, <laughs> it needs to be an audiobook, right? 
I also, you know, I have patients who I almost want to say like lost a decade, you know, because it's like you're in that decade of you have two or three kids and you're like breastfeeding and you're, you know, or nurse, whatever, all the stuff that comes with that. And then you come out the other end of that and then you're just like, okay, wait, but like, who am I? What do I want? Especially as your kids start to become more independent and you finally have like a little bit more space to breathe. I think that's just like actually a really powerful season of life to start to ask yourself some of these different questions. And again, like the answers that come back might be a little bit surprising and and that's okay. You don't need to act right away. It's more about just having the conversation and inquiring. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mm. I uh, I had dinner last night with two girlfriends who were in their 40s. And we were all saying like, now friends are going off on all these different tangents, some productive, some crazy. Like <laughs> Because at this point with people's kids growing up, there's not that much guidance. And that's why I like in your book, you know, this whole like mnemonic happiness, or maybe that's not how mm-hmm. you pronounce you it. Mnemonic. Mm-hmm. Right, like how important is it? Like how, how do you find meaning in what you're doing? Because if you're just going through the motions with your job or your career or whatever, like how do you take all that and, and, and make it worthwhile? Because if you, if you don't find meaning in what you're doing, like it's much harder to be dedicating yourself to it. And so I feel like it's this combination of like finding meaning, getting yourself through what you got like that decade (laughs) and like being able to come out the other side and be like, okay, well, wait, now I have this whole life ahead. Now what? And what is, you know, maybe self-care is reading books. And maybe I did put that aside for a long time because I had no time. I mean, I was with my kids on spring break last week. Like literally I could barely get through three pages. And I was like, if this was my life all the time, like I would never be able to do my job ever, you know, with them like climbing on top of me. But I think finding meaning is, is just so important. Yeah. And with that, 
also giving yourself permission, right? Because I think for moms in particular, anytime you take that space for yourself, no matter how old your kids are, there's that requisite guilt that comes. Mm -hmm. And for me, I've been living it myself right now with this book launch of like, I've had to, we've had childcare on the weekends because like there's, as you know, there's so much to do (laughs) when you're launching a book and like, acknowledging the fact that there's no perfect solution. There's no perfect answer, right? Like my son right now is is almost 10 months, which is just such oh, like a fun, cute age. Like he's crawling and he's like pulling up and like, it's really cute. And, and then part of me is sort of like, oh gosh, like, is it terrible for me to have a babysitter on the weekends? You know, like it's, it's that mom guilt that comes up that I talk about in the book, right? Yep, That's yep. always with us. And that you have to learn that it's going to be there. It's going to be there. And the guilt does not have to be a moral compass, mm-hmm. right? It can just be a feeling that's there and, and you can turn the volume down. You don't have to listen to it. You don't need to let it guide all of your decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wrote about in the book how you were going through IVF and you were writing the book and how even that was like getting in the way of your writing schedule and how are you even going to get it done? So tell me a little bit about what it was like writing the book and, and all that and how you did manage to pull it off. Honestly, I still don't even know. Um, (laughs) We were going through IVF. I'd had a miscarriage maybe like six months before we started IVF. And I'm 39 now. So I was, you know, like an older person starting my family. And so it was like, it was, it was really rough. Also, while I was doing IVF, I was like limiting how much caffeine I drank Mm. and I wasn't drinking alcohol. Right. So I was like, you know, it was like, there was no (laughs) external substances involved with writing this book, but I had to really give myself that compassion because like, you know, I acknowledge in the book, I'm completely a workaholic. Like, you know, they always say you teach what you need to know. Right. So I had to give myself compassion because I had made this schedule for the chapters, right, to deliver. And of course I got behind. And then I just had to say, you know what, it's okay. It's okay to be behind. It's okay to be late. I'm writing a book called Real Self-Care. Uh, like I I don't want to be a hypocrite mm-hmm. and burn out while I'm writing Real Self-Care. <laughs> <laughs> or even right now, like burn out while I'm on a book tour for Real Self-Care, right? <laughs> like I need to bring all the stuff that I'm telling everybody else to do to my own work. And that's hard, right? Because if you're somebody who enjoys what you do and is passionate about all of the things that you do, I imagine maybe this resonates for you, Zabi. Like when when your work is something that really brings you a lot of energy, finding that line of like, okay, when have I pushed too far? How do I know that this is actually costing me emotionally, energetically too much? I think because of the IVF process and the fact that was not only so like logistically taxing because of like all the doctor's appointments and things like that, but also just emotionally, that was like a nice counterbalance Mm -hmm. for me. And I think now even having my son is also a nice counterbalance of like just knowing like, okay, these are like hard stops to my time. The calculus, I think, becomes like a little bit more clear. I remember before I had him, I had friends say like once they became mothers that actually they sort of became more productive work-wise because it was easier to know what their no was. Mm -hmm. And that definitely has been true for me as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I think also the reminder that like it doesn't all have to get done immediately. Like I always feel the pressure, but when I take the pressure off and say, okay, well, it would be nice if I could reply to this 
right away. Or I could like make a whole bucket of emails and tackle this one topic all at once when it works for me. Like, is anything, there's no fallout. Like, so right, I, think, right. I think, you know, it's easy in any job to magnify things, right? Like that, that everything has to be done. But I don't know. I'm curious too, when you see, are you still seeing patients also? Like, what is that? Like how to stay totally, although I guess I stay totally present because I'm interviewing you right now. I mean, this is what I do, I guess. When you're giving advice, how do you stay in that moment and offer the advice, you know, medically, psychologically, all of it and bringing your own experience into it? Or do you not bring your own experience into it? Yeah. So I actually, I don't bring my own experience into it. So as a psychiatrist, I actually do do therapy with a good number of my patients. So I prescribe medication and do therapy and I don't talk about my own stuff. Some of my patients don't even know that I've written a book. Or that I'm on social media, actually. So it's um, a missed marketing opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> That's like marketing 101 to your fan base, to your people in your community. <laughs> but I think for me, it's really actually important that I'm there for them. And that's, you know, sort of like the boundaries of psychotherapy and psychiatry. I'm there for them. And I see patients right now about one and a half days a week. And then the rest of my time is writing or Gemma, which is my women's mental health platform. It's actually, that's a sell for me. It fills me up actually to have that just intense one-on-one interaction where I'm not thinking about all that other noise that's out there. And I can just focus on my patient who, you know, to be completely frank, like I haven't taken new patients for several years. Like, so it's, it's, these are people that I have long-term relationships with who I really feel a strong connection to. And so those are the sort of the grounding moments in my week where I get to just do what I'm trained to do and what I really enjoy doing. But part of my real self-care journey was learning for myself that if I saw patients five days a week, I burn out. Mm-hmm. And also learning for myself that I really enjoy doing psychotherapy. So I can't do just 30 minute med checks or I, my whole practice can't be 30 minute med checks because that burns me out. Like the thing that actually is really fulfilling for me is those 50 minute sessions and developing those long-term relationships. And But then that means my practice is much smaller. And so that's part of the reason that I founded Gemma with my two colleagues, because I was like, well, we, I need a way to kind of bring this information out. And part of it is a book. Sure. But again, not everybody has time to read a book. So we're kind of building the masterclass for women's mental health. And that's, I think that's been a real self-care decision for me, kind of like realizing, well, what is really sustainable for me when I can't spend 40 hours a week with patients? Cause that's just it, it energetically, it's too much for me. You, uh, in the beginning of the book, talk about your own journey sort of in this cult for two years. And that was a wild, unexpected (laughs) introduction. But anyway, one thing that I I kind of love the image of is you, you know, almost like licking your wounds and going back to your childhood home and being in your old bedroom with your parents and the support you got. And I was just wondering about your relationship with your parents now and, and how what that all looks like. Oh yeah. That's a great question. Well, I will say after that experience in my life, I went through like seven years of psychoanalysis and psychoanalysis is that like intense type of therapy where you're on the couch and the analyst is behind you, you know? And I think that my parents and I, like we've come a really long way, you know, I think especially with like the immigrant experience, I, I like to say like, because my parents sacrificed so much for me, my dad's a physician, you know, there's certainly a lot of privilege in my life because they sacrificed so much for me. I had the privilege 
of this existential crisis in my late 20s when I blew up my life, right? I Because I didn't have student loans. So I could just up and leave medicine and, and, you know, focus on female sexuality for two years and just do all that stuff. And I was able to land back and still be a doctor. And, and they, you know, I was in my childhood bedroom. I mean, it wasn't a pretty picture. I was like just binge watching like, you know, reruns of SVU and like texting with my (laughs) friends from college who had stayed with me, love them to death. But I think like we've come a long way. And I think like now myself as a parent, you know, it's like, no, every generation is just like going to therapy for like the wounds from the previous generation. (laughs) Like that's just what it is. It's just the cycle. And I think since we worked through that process together, I was able to also come to motherhood on my own terms and not feel like I needed to do it because they wanted me to, or, you know, to fulfill some sort of expectation. But I also recognized that I, you know, had the luxury of being able to like pay for IVF and, you know, like all the resources to make that happen at this age. So yeah, it's been like all relationships. It's a lot of work and it's a process. Yeah. Wow. Would you write another book? Are you going to write another book? How do you feel about the whole thing? Are you like just so excited that the book is done and you never want to do it again? I do feel a little bit like I'm hobbling out with like a cane. So like maybe ask me in like a month. Yeah. I don't know. You tell me like... You have more experience with this than I do. No, it's a lot to launch a book. It is. I mean, it's a lot. It's... Yeah. It's very, I found it very emotional. Like it's emotional launching it, especially when you include your own story, which you do here. I don't know. You're like putting it out there. It's a lot. Yeah, no, totally. It is. And, and it's, it's been, there's been like definite, like exciting and joyous moments and there's been low moments too. And like, so I think just the roller coaster of it emotionally, like the ups and downs, um, is a lot. So I might need a little space. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much. I found your book really fascinating. I learned a lot. I really appreciated how open you were about it and sort of the new lens, like shifting the the framework of how we even evaluate all the self-care talk being shoved down our throats all the time and being able to look analytically at some of the suggestions and the over, like sort of pulling back a little bit to see where we are in the whole ecosystem. And I think that helps each individual journey. So thank you for your book and I hope you survive the tour. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Zibby. It's such a pleasure. Okay. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks, Zibby. Take care. Okay. You too. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com